welcome. I'm your host, Mike Gaston. I'm a brand and marketing strategist, and this podcast is all about the story of private business in America. I'm joined today by my friend, Lori Sudbrink. Lori, welcome to The Currency. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here, finally. Yeah, finally. So <laughs> so for listeners, a little backstory. We, <laughs> we've tried to do this episode numerous times. I want to say three or four times. We've had technology issues and hardware issues. So we, we know that we're going to be successful today because Lori has come to Gaston Manor. You're at the house. Yes. We're sitting at the table and we're in person recording. I'm confident that this is going to work. We've tried a couple times using uh, the long distance recording option, but it didn't seem to work out too And this well. is better. It's nice to see yeah. you in person and yeah. it's a great environment. So thank you. Well, I'm glad you're here. How long have we, we've known each other for at least 10 plus, 15 years? I would say close to 15. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't seen you in a couple years. You're, you're living farther away these days? You're out in the country a little bit more? Yes, I work pretty virtually. Okay. Um, so I live in uh, upstate New York in the country in mm-hmm. the summer, and then I live in Florida in the winter. Oh, that's yes. the that's the <laughs> perfect setup. Uh, that's, that's, that's I like the, it. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. So I'm glad to have you on today, Lori, because uh, you have a, a coaching slash consulting business, Unlimited Coaching Solutions. Well, I think when we first met, you had a larger agency that you were running and you've authored a book a few years ago. I remember being at the book launch for that. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time doing two things. I was hoping today we could hear about your entrepreneurial journey. I think that's really interesting. And then I hope that we could talk a little bit about the work you do and specifically about leadership. I think that'd be interesting to talk about that. So thank you for being persistent. You get the uh, most persistent, (laughs) patient, gracious guest award. And I've had some gracious guests, but... Well, thank you. (laughs) So let's start a little bit with Unlimited Coaching Solutions. Tell us, what what is that? What do you do and what is that business? Um, Well, basically, I help people work better together. So how that looks is in terms of leadership, team building, uh, communication, more like interpersonal communication, emotional intelligence, work with all different types of organizations from Fortune 500 to small manufacturing companies, government, from federal right down to the city level. Um, It's pretty much where anywhere where there's a pulse. So if there's people there, you know, it's helping them to to be more effective working together. And how did you how did you get into that line of work? I mean, I I personally know a little bit of the flow that the having the larger company moving into the coaching role. But before we get into that piece of the journey, like what drew you to helping teams work together? Why do you care about that? Yeah, I was just thinking, how far back should I go? (laughs) I think you might remember that I'm a middle child of 14. Okay. So that has a little to do with this. Wow, middle child of 14. Yeah, we didn't, you know, the Brady Bunch, we were the crazy bunch. So it was... I really do think my passion stems from that because I always loved to have people try to, you know, understand each other and communicate and, mm-hmm. and be effective with each other. And um, as I went to college, I even, I started it with a business major and I switched to, I actually started with a secondary teaching major. Then I went to business. Oh, interesting. Then I switched to interpersonal communications because okay. I had taken some assessment and I said, oh, you're off the charts. You know, this is your area. And I just went with it, not knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was also 
also working full time and I was a single mom. So, um, the, you know, in hindsight, looking back, it couldn't have been any better to help me find and explore different areas at the time. It was tough, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So I, I ended up, um, with that degree and I was on the factory line at first in this company and had, um, gotten the degree and they, um, offered me a position out in human resources. I came out there and I worked my way up through, you know, different positions, kept advancing. And they put a job on the board that was product training and it just intrigued me. And the interview was the, the, they had to come in and they talked a little bit about a prototype. You took the prototype home, you came back and you gave a spiel on it. And the one night, you know, and you came back in so and that was your... didn't even know what your, this product was because Didn't even know what it was, And yes. you had to come and do a training on it the next day. Yeah, so it was okay. pretty wild. It was a pretty... That's competitive. Um, were there a lot of people involved in this? There were, you know, and there were... It was very competitive because also the company was, um, you know, downsizing and reducing at the same time and going through a lot of transition. Uh, so it was a challenge and I was up for it. I loved it. And that's how I fell into training, but it, it went from product training for the sales group to software training for the sales group and then software training for the whole office. Mm-hmm. And then it went to, I saw the need for soft skills training. It was like, you know what? We've got to be nicer to each other. We've got to treat each other better. We've got to help people, empower people. We've got to, you know, we've got to work differently Mm -hmm. if we want to be successful. And so we started with executive coaching and some um, DISC, which I still use today. DISC analysis. Yes, DISC analysis. Yeah, do you mind just telling folks what that is? Yeah, it's, basically, it's four quadrants of personally personality slash behavior. So it's, um, it dates back to the 1930s. William Marston came up with these four quadrants, but it's just uh, what your natural tendencies are and you have strengths and limitations, but you fall into one of those primarily dominance, influence, steadiness, or conscientiousness. We're a mix. There's not, you know, and it's not meant to label or pigeonhole, but it change over time. I've done the disc analysis. Yes, it can. It can change because it's not 100% personality based. It has a behavioral component to it and your behavior changes depending on your role in your environment. When I did it years ago, a number of times, but I was like all D. Yes. And then, and then a lot of I, but the I was less than D. It was like all dominance. Okay. And then was the I influence? Yes. And then I had no S or C. Like I just didn't show yeah. up. <laughs> so I don't know if that's clinically uh, uh, very, an issue. Very but, similar to mine. So yeah. <laughs> no, what the, what the value of DISC is, is it helps you to be aware, accept aware your natural tendencies are, but know what kind of energy and effort you need to adjust and adapt to be effective yes. with other people sure. and in other situations. Sure. Crucial to leadership, crucial to teams, sales, any of, of anywhere where you're interacting with people. Well, it helped, yeah, it helped me a lot. I remember having a, a more than one, but I had an employee that I interfaced my, my admin who was very high C, very conscientious. And before taking the test, you know, I used to get frustrated and she would get frustrated with me. Yes. Taking the test, I realized like, first of all, this is why she's in this role. She's gifted to be conscientious. Mike, you're a slob when it comes to the numbers and the details. I'm not a, hopefully not a personal slob, but I, (laughs) I didn't care about that stuff. And she did, she got out of bed in the morning and I realized, Hey, I need to be grateful. Yeah. 
and B, there's a way that we can interact with each other that's that that is respectful where we're coming from. It helps me understand. Yeah. She's wired a certain way. So it was powerful. And that is what it's all about, is to help us to appreciate and respect other styles and not take the behavior so personally. Exactly. It wasn't, (laughs) like, it was the funniest thing. And if she's ever listening to this, Joanna, I love you. But uh, I remember submitting my expense report. I'm the owner of the company. Submitting my expense report. And she comes to me because I wanted her to cut a check, right? Hey, could you... Uh, Mike, I noticed that there's a receipt missing, right? Like, <laughs> which You're drove like, me crazy. But then what? I realized, but this is perfect because this if is, she's willing to come to me and say that, I don't have to worry about anybody. Everybody's right. expense reports are going to be on the money. So yeah. I, I was really grateful. But I needed that lens to understand mm-hmm. what was motivating that because it's easy to take it personally. Like, well, what do you? Why are you hassling me about it this? Is. And, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And there's of course more to it than just the disc analysis, yeah, as we know. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's that ability though to be self-aware and be able to be okay with not only okay with but be good yeah. with other styles and, and appreciate them. Well, I took yeah. you off a little bit just because I, yeah, I dove yeah. in on the disc. I wanted to find that for <laughs> listeners, but you were talking about being exposed to that on yes. journey. And that, you know, it's funny because disc really was what made me fall in love with the training. Um, and I just could see the light bulbs going off for people and, and, and helping people to to be empowered to take ownership of their own behavior and have the ability and the tools to interact and, and be more effective with each other. Sure. It was, you know, it really made a huge difference. We saw results immediately when I started doing the soft skills training. Um, Smith Corona had, as every, well, not everyone, but many people might know that they went um, south, literally. First they went south and, and moved their manufacturing, okay. and then they um, filed Chapter 11 and never came out of that. Okay. So when that was happening, I had decided, okay, I'm going to go out and start this thing on my own. I just love what I'm doing. And um, I was still not quite 100% confident that I could sell a service. So. Okay. The stars aligned, and one of my vendors that I had come in and do training, CompUSA computer training, okay. offered me a great position managing the training center up in Syracuse, New York. Okay. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to do that for a year so that I can learn uh, to sell a service. I'd sold product, but I hadn't sold a service. It is different, too. Totally it's different. It's intangible. It is, yeah. And it's it, it was different. But I did, I got it. I understood it quite quickly. Um, I really didn't stay as long as I thought I was going to. I was about three or four months. It was one of those situations where I felt like I had a lot of responsibility, but not enough authority to, yeah. to, to make some real change. Um, we did, I mean, we took the sales from uh, like at least 50% over what they were doing. It was okay. great. We had a great, great go. But um, I was ready. I was ready to start. So I, this was... I moved up to Rochester. It was 1999 with my 13-year-old daughter. Wow. And um, just started networking and started the business. Yeah, started wow. the, to figure out, you know, what do I want this to look like? What kind of what vision do I have for it? And it morphed a lot over the past 20 years. This is my 20th year in Congratulations. business. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. What, um, you know, did you, uh, I hear middle child of 14, that means you're, I mean, almost everybody's a middle child in a family of 14, yeah. but, <laughs> but you, so I'm, I'm inferring some things, but, you know, being in that position kind of, um, gave you maybe a nurturing as opposed to nature that 
predispose you towards organizational health and how relationships work. That may not be true, but I'm just inferring that. And uh, go ahead. Were you gonna... I, th- I think so, somewhat. You know, I think there's definitely some of that, although I'm, my DISC style is the D-I-I-D off the chart, okay. which is not really a quintessential S, you know, nurturing. Right. right. Um, but there's a component of me in the I that really wants that harmony that you yeah. know people to but I want results yeah. that's really the priority <laughs> so, so it sounds like yeah and kind of an alignment around entrepreneurialism whether you knew that or not at the time yes but that D that high D I want to have control mm-hmm. this isn't all about the disc analysis by the way but <laughs> but I, I want to have dominance and control I want yeah. to take charge of my own destiny but on the other hand this insight into the the necessity of good healthy relationships yes. and want to be in a position to help that happen well that's key what you what you're saying there Mike too is that um you know in a in a family a mixed family like that and I'm sure a lot of families can relate to this it wasn't all that functional at times and I really my family's perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that's, this is, you know, another, another story for another time. Yeah, we no, won't get into that. No, but, I'm uh, kidding. Obviously. I know. I'm just kidding. Any family, man. Exactly. Yeah. And I saw in the workplace when I, you know, was there early on a lot of dysfunction and I sure. saw a lot of what we were doing ourselves to ourselves to cause that dysfunction. Yeah. And so hence the empower yourself to kind of take, take ownership of that and mm-hmm. be able to create a different culture and a different atmosphere. Right. Um, and, and each one of us, you know, I, I use the term leadership quite loosely. It's yeah. not just a position. It's, it's the, it's a way of being. It's interesting, Lori. I, you know, we're both consultants. Um, I tend to be more on the strategy side of, of the consulting world. Uh, I know you get into strategy. I know that's, but, but you're approaching it from a people and an organizational. It's interesting to me as a young guy in organizations, I didn't understand, like, I just looked up to, if you're a manager, you must be, wow, if she's, she's my manager, it's a big deal. I couldn't understand the behaviors, but what I didn't, I was too immature to understand is like, this is a human being with a personal life. Right. You know, and I, I had managers going through divorces. I had managers going through personal, you, you don't right. always know. So okay. you can't understand why is this person treating me so badly? But mm-hmm. meanwhile, they're struggling as a human being. And, and so as I've gotten older, I've realized the amount of dysfunction that comes into an organization just because we're human beings, which That's is, right. it's tough. You can't. You don't check your humanity at the door. Well, so, you know, that old adage, leave it at the door, doesn't really no, work. You know, no. you can leave some things at the door and you should. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. you can't leave it all at the door. And we are emotional beings. And, yeah. it, and it's important to you know, recognize that and sure. respect it. Sure. Well, I was going to ask you a little earlier, were you always aware and always desirous of being an entrepreneur? I'm mm. hearing that you kind of evolved into this, but did you... As a kid, were you kind of like, I want to have my own business, do my own thing? Or did you not even think of that? I didn't think of that, but I did do it. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, um, so I did, I, you know, from the time I could make money, I was making money. I was mowing lawns. I was babysitting. Yeah. I was um, um, editing papers, typing papers, doing whatever. I loved. So you were industrious. Yes, very. Um, however, I do remember feeling this desire to have something more secure, and I wanted to be in a big company. Sure. Um, I don't know where that came from, but uh, some of it might have been my dad was an entrepreneur, and I thought, I don't want to be that yeah. at first. Yeah. Um, 
So, so I'm going to guess that you were in the college in the 80s. The reason I'm guessing that is just because the whole, you talk about the corporate world. I think of yuppies. There was a lot of merger acquisition. Like co- big corporations were a big deal. If you were wanting to be a young, if you were a young person wanting to be successful, I think the picture that was painted yes. was the big corporate world. As is, today's a little different. It you is. Know, but, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Just that was the glamorous thing yes, to do. That was right. it. And I was I was at that one company for almost 15 years. So, um, you know, starting out on my own was scary, but it felt right. It felt great. What was the trigger? Like, did you, I mean, I understand you're saying like I was in a position I had a lot of responsibility, but not a lot of authority. And, but like, was there a moment, was there a mentor that came into your life? Did you watch a movie Mm. and got inspired by Mm. some entrepreneur character? Like what, do you remember what triggered that desire to go out? I don't remember exactly what what made me think that I could do this on my own, but I did have a really great career coach, um, Tony Papalia from Cortland. He was from okay. SUNY Cortland, and he came in and did career coaching in the company, and he would uh, help me to to be more reflective and see things and. And he was one of the people that helped me to find this, you know, interpersonal communications and training. Um, and when I read Ken Blanchard's One Minute Manager yeah, back in the 80s, Kenny. oh, I was like, I love this stuff, you know. And yeah. Ken, of course, we had we had him come in. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good so Lori and I, Lori and I were members of a group called EO Entrepreneurs Organization. That's how we first met. I think right. we joined and went through the training at the same That's time. That's right. Yeah. And uh, while we were members of EO, we had Ken Blanchard come to Rochester. Mm-hmm. and uh, give a talk. It was fantastic. Yeah. Well, and it I was heard, a dream for you to meet him. Yes, it was definitely a dream. And and it was just a, you know, we, we not only got to have him come in and do a, a, a big talk, but we had a private session too out right. on Skinny Atlas Lake and stuff with him. But those are some of the things that inspired me. Um, but I can't really remember exactly what it was. I, Honestly, looking back, I think I was just a little crazy. I was sure. just like, I'm going to do this. And, and most I didn't, entrepreneurs. Yes, and yeah. I didn't really plan that much ahead. I just I just had the burning desire to do it. And I knew I this was my passion, and I, I just knew I could be successful yeah. doing it. So, yeah. <laughs> I think, But I think that's part of the story because a lot of times people can point to, and I saw this woman, and that's how I met your mother. I was taking, she took my breath away kind of thing. <laughs> but I think for entrepreneurship, sometimes you don't, because you're young, you don't realize that you're entrepreneurial. You just don't understand why no. the world's frustrating you or why your job isn't fitting well yes. or <laughs> filling all those blanks. And then one day you're just like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Then you look back and you go, oh, I was always meant to be an entrepreneur. But you, you're a square peg in a round hole. But it takes another entrepreneur to sit down and say, hey, yeah. Lori, I think that you should... And if that doesn't happen, you've got to figure it out on your yeah. own. And That's why EO was so great yeah. because we could all yeah. be very, you know, just frank with each other and, sure. and talk and, and you Have know. Have peers that yes. understood all yeah. those things. Yeah. So uh, before we uh, get to the halfway point and take a little break, I want to talk for a minute about a really big accomplishment. So you've started this business. It's evolved into the, to the coaching and consulting practice you have. You do speaking, but you published a book and yeah. you didn't self-publish. I mean, you published this book through Wiley. Is that right? right? I've right. got the book That's sitting right, right here, yes. actually. I could yeah. just look at the spine. Um, but this, yeah, this is yeah. a real deal. Like this isn't one of these. So I'm going to tell folks that the book is called Leading with Grit. You can get it on Amazon. And, um, it's impressive. I mean, this is, uh, this is not one of those, 
hey, I banged out a little 100-page right. lightweight. This is like a textbook. Yes, this according thing. to Wiley, it's the leadership book, The Size That Sells. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, but this is a lot of work. There's yes, a lot of is. thinking that yes. went into this. This isn't like a puff piece. Yeah. Well, so tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah. Why did you want to write a book? What was the process like? Yeah, well, you know, I um, that's another thing that you asked if I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I I. I never really had the dream of writing a book either when I was younger. I, I really didn't. Um, but I had, um, I had, I was on a flight. I re, I'll never forget when I, when I thought of it. I was on a, a, fl a flight to California, so it's about five hours, you know, nonstop. And I just remember having the outline of the book kind of flow out of me. And I was really? like... I think probably the seeds were planted along sure. the way because, of course, in, in as a consultant in, in leadership development, you're more credible if you have a book, Absolutely. obviously. So we Absolutely. all know that. Um, but and you're a reader? Yes. Yeah. And, and so definitely, you know, it's so like... You're always learning. You're always reading. Yeah. yeah. And um, the, the original idea of the book was actually based on the four agreements because I was then working with Don Miguel Ruiz and, mm -hmm. and his son... Um, I always call him Mikey. Sorry, Mikey. <laughs> um, Miguel Jr. Miguel, sure. Yes, Miguel yeah. Jr. And um, so I was... Um, I think Miguelito in uh, Spanish is, oh, uh, is Mikey. Oh, okay. Well, it's like a diminutive <laughs> because I'm Mike. I've been we need to get him on the, get him on the phone. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I... Um, long story short, the, the publisher of The Four Agreements wasn't really keen on uh, me writing sure. on The Four Agreements the brand, in the, yeah. the yeah. workplace. So understandably so. And um, I had come up with this acronym GRIT and thought, well, you know, do my own thing. And yeah. it really fit perfectly for the book. And I started to then carve out even, you know, lead with grit as a course, team grit, customer service grit. And um, so the book came about, you know, again, kind of not really intentionally mm -hmm. at the time. Um, how I ended up with Wiley as a publisher was interesting. I just felt like for the credibility in my line of work, I, I didn't want to self-publish. I, I wanted a sure. publisher. Yeah. And I did approach... I know I wrote a, a really good book proposal, so I'm told later. I didn't know it was good at the time. <laughs> I worked extremely hard on it. I, I took a class on it, and then I took a I wrote a, or I read a book on it. You know, and, okay, and so you it prepped. Took it very seriously, my book proposal, because yeah. I thought I got, I got this is what's going to get in front of these people, right? It's like and your you resume. You didn't have an it's agent. Like, no, no okay. agent, no anything. Um, so here I am, just grassroots, kind of sending it out. And I did have a couple of publishers interested, but they wanted me to pay them. And I thought, yeah. nah, I, that's not what I want. So stars aligned again, and I'm at the DISC conference. And oh, it's we're back 20, to DISC again. Yes, it's 2012. <laughs> Isn't it funny? And it's like, it all comes back to DISC. And Wiley announced that they're purchasing the DISC company from InScape Publishing. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm just sitting there going... You're kidding me. Wiley's the biggest publisher. Now, had you submitted your proposal to Wiley? No. Okay, so. Not, okay. I didn't dare. I wouldn't have even. 800-pound gorilla, right? <laughs> I yes. wouldn't have even dared. Um, and so I was very inspired by Peter Wiley's keynote talk, which was just a wonderful story about how he and his daughter were writing a book together about the architecture of San Francisco. Okay. And I was truly, in the moment, just captured by it. 
in that moment feeling like, wow, I'd love to write a book with my daughter. Like, you know, and just, I was really, and then afterward, of course, the line is so long to go and talk to the keynote presenter when they're really good like that. And he was phenomenal. And so I said, you know what, if I meant to if it's meant to be, I'm just going to bump into him in the hallway. Well, in those lines too, when you're the person in the line, oh, yeah. nice. Thank you for, nice to see you. You're not like, not you're not as, even listening. You don't get a How meaningful can conversation. How can you? You don't. Right? And everybody's trying to have that yeah. conversation. Like, oh, you know, Peter, I want to tell you. And so I put it out there that I'm going to bump into him okay. in the hallway and I let it go. All right. A little and bit of faith. And the next day I bumped into him in the hallway oh alone, not a single soul around. And I just, you know, I started talking to him about, I really, really enjoyed your talk on writing the book with your daughter. Sure. And we talked about some of the nuances of it. And, and then I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And, and he, then he just asked me, he said, so what about you? And I said, I have a book proposal. <laughs> <laughs> you do? What is it about? And I, you know, told him grit, yeah. generosity, respect, integrity, and truth, and how that comes to play in the workplace. And, and he said, I'm going to put you in touch with one of our editors. And wow. that is how it began. <laughs> That's amazing, Lori. <laughs> it was really just, you know, it was like, I think of the definition of luck, it's when preparedness meets opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, and, and just kind of relaxing and, and not forcing it, but putting it out there and, and just going, all right, you know, and had I not run into him, I probably would have followed up with something, sure, you know, sure. <laughs> like, but the interesting, the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, converse is maybe if you had gotten in that line, tried to shove the pitch in his face, he would have ignored it, rejected yeah. it. And then you'd be done. You would have said, well, that's, that's a closed yep. door. Exactly. Isn't so, it interesting? So, yeah. So the fact that you were willing yeah. to kind of sit back and go, let me wait and see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. And you were already ready to take action. Like if you didn't bump into him, you were going to, there's a right. plan B. Exactly. Or exactly. if there wasn't, you were going to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. But there's something to be said about, um, easing up and not trying to force things like put yeah. it out there, work toward it, but let, let it go. You, you know, know, I, I found that too. And I, I found, um, you know, like around things like prospecting, you're a consultant, you're, you, you have to be looking for new clients, new people to work, any business person. I found when I allow the relationships to grow organically, when I am generous with the value I create, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. opportunities happen. Right. When I'm like, hey, uh, Lori, you know, I want like now sometimes I, there's a need. I, I see something that I think I can help you with. Sure. And even if I can't help you. I want to tell you what that thing is and you can do whatever you want with it. I, that's good. Definitely. But when it's, when you get in this mode of, I need business, I'm trying to close deals. You're pushing up. Oper- it's like mm-hmm. people, it doesn't work. The energy behind it. it just, I really yeah. think it's something about the tone of your voice. Everything is just a put off. It's, it's really weird, it's isn't not, it? And yeah. it's just a, it can yeah. be almost imperceptible, but it's enough that it's it hard just, to measure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a real thing. It is. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that's fantastic. So you, you, Got the publishing deal, Ugh. wrote a book. I mean, yeah. this is... One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. How long did it take it you to really, write it? Well, that's interesting because I probably, you know, from the time on that airplane mm-hmm. to um, the time that it was published was 10 years. Um, so you could say it took me wow, 10 years. that's something. However, the bulk of the book was written in seven months. Okay. Because the book proposal was written, two sample chapters were written. Yeah. And that's it. Um, when I met Wiley and when they gave me the contract for the book. And they said five months 
And I did the math and I said, okay, I'm going to have to give up on some of these. I'm going to have to, you know, reschedule some jobs, not take some work, you know, do this, but I can do this. I can do this in five months. Well, I didn't look at the small print and the details and the number of words in the book was double the amount that I had planned for the book. Oh my goodness. Okay. And I had just committed to doing it in a shorter amount of time than I ever thought was possible. So, um, they did give me a two month extension. So it was a seven month, but it, it was extremely hard. That's amazing. So it was extremely hard. Um, I did hire an editor because I didn't, I didn't get all the editing that I thought I was going to get through Wiley. Um, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist or, you know, maybe it's ego or something. I just wanted it to be perfect. And, um, their editing wasn't quite as good as I wanted it to be, to be quite honest. Um, so I did hire an editor to work with me for a little bit through that, but that was all the, the real help besides, you know, some of the organization. And, and I did give acknowledgement to a lot of people that helped me in the book with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was tough, but it was, it was one of those, you know, it's like when somebody climbs, climbs Mount Everest or something, it's like, wow, you know, when you're done, you're exhausted, but you've done it and you feel like, wow, I'm really proud of this piece of work because I put everything into it. Would you ever do it again? I would. Um, and I learned a lot and I am smart enough to know that I'm probably going to learn a whole lot more of the second one too. Um, I'm not sure yet what the next book will be, but I did, as you know, created a a product. So I have a second, um, piece of work that's attached. Yes. So so tell that, and that's the, uh, I'm going to get your grit together. I love that. Get your grit together. Um, productivity planner. Yeah. So what is that? So what that is, is it helps people to align to themselves and make sure that they're going after what's really important to them in life. Um, and so you can use it in any area of so your use life it as a, uh, on a personal, it's not yep. just corporate or exactly. Yeah, it, it's a great personal planner. It's a great productivity planner for CEOs, executives, um, salespeople. It really is one of those templates that you can use to fill in the blank of, how you want to see your success roll sure. out. Because what a lot of us end up doing is we'll set goals and stuff for our life, but we set them in competition with other areas of our life and we deplete uh-huh. those other areas. Okay. And so when we do that, it's very related to grit because we will be very gritty in that one area, passion, perseverance, tenacity. We'll, we'll give everything we have to that. Mm-hmm. And we go against ourselves. We we do it at the expense of our health or our relationships. We do it at the expense of other people. So it's it's grit with generosity, respect, integrity, and truth. And the planner is designed to take you on that journey mm-hmm. of making sure that you stay aligned and respect yourself that, so that you can truly give, and this is the acronym, generosity, respect, integrity, and truth. It ends with generosity. So you okay. can genuinely give to yourself and to others. So let me ask a question. This is an unplanned question, but I, I hear this and I think, okay, for people that want to really accomplish something significant, Mm -hmm. you know, and and regardless of what motivates that, maybe there are insecurity issues or, uh, yeah, maybe I'm insecure, but anyway, (laughs) what drives us is immaterial, but let's say you want to accomplish something significant. When I hear this idea of, I don't want to compete with my own interests, 
uh, what comes to mind is, well, then I'm going to have to settle for some type of mediocrity. And I know this is incorrect, but this is just a... Oh, it's a great question because I'm sure other people are thinking it if you are. Yeah, so, you know, how do I do that? So, yeah. So like if I'm trying to be in integrity with all my other aspects and I'm a good husband, good father, all that, mm-hmm. then how do I accomplish anything great? Because yeah. it's got to come from somewhere. Right. Otherwise, I'm just going to be average. Yeah. And I'm sure that's wrong thinking, but how do you address that? Well, you know, the first thing is, is to recognize, and, and this goes with the GRIT acronym, starts with truth and recognizing who we really are and what we really want and what's really important to us. And when we do that, the next step is integrity. It's aligning to that. So it doesn't mean that you're going to give up on something, but it means you're going to be aware. And honest with yourself honest, about it. Honest, yes. Okay. Brutally honest with yourself. And the the acronym actually acts as a roadmap and it helps you stay accountable to yourself. Okay. So for example, if you say health and fitness is really important to you, that's part of your truth. But yet you come home every night and lay on the couch and eat Snickers bars and you're gaining lots of weight, right? <laughs> I feel like this is a personal I, I don't, attack. I don't see any Snicker bar wrappers around. But, <laughs> but I do look like a potato. So that's no. not... <laughs> you know what I... Yeah. No, this is excellent. Then it's, yeah. then it's our opportunity to say to ourselves, is that really important? Do I really to me? care about Do my I really health? care? And yeah. you can change that if you want to. I, it's not for me to judge you. It's so for you to judge There's you. There's a lot of outside things. Like, yeah. I mean, this is, I'll, I, my kids, my wife, hopefully, you know, I love them, but I'll use this as an example. Maybe I really don't care about my family, but everyone makes me feel like I'm supposed to. Society. Yes. So yes. I think that we should care about our families, obviously. I, I hear you. But I'm just using this as kind of a uh, uh, fake situation. Coming to terms and saying, okay, actually I don't. That doesn't necessarily mean that I have to cast them aside. That might create soul searching where I can say, why don't I care about my family? Exactly. You know, is there something else broken that needs addressing or is this, you know, okay. It helps you to. It's a terrible example, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it it does help you to be more aware and self-reflective. And the more we can self-reflect and be honest and true to ourselves, Mm -hmm. it's that, uh, I'm not going to remember the exact quote, but it's, you know, you have to fill up your cup and then it runneth over to, to give to others. And if you're not doing that, there's no way you're going to deplete yourself or you're going to deplete your relationships. And then it's going to come back. And the grit in the long run that you thought you were going, the traditional sense of grit, just that passion, perseverance, um, it's not going to last. You're going to burn out. You're not going to be happy with another area in your life. And so while grit is a really important characteristic for leadership and Mm -hmm. for human beings to be successful, if you just go at it without the generosity, respect, integrity, and truth, then you can definitely end up unhappy. Yeah. You know? And failing at everything. Yeah. So not just, yeah. hey, I was willing to give up things to, to get what I wanted, yeah. but in the long run really didn't succeed in any yeah. of these endeavors. And, and you know, what popped into my mind is many times we have to have something so painful to have an awareness to make a change in our yeah. life, right? Yeah. Well, we don't have to have that. That's not something we can, we can find something like grit, find something sure. that in, in a path that we can take to go, okay, you know, I can be happier longer in my life. I don't have to wait till I'm 50 and then look back and go, right. Oh, I wish I had done that. I'm never right. going to do this again. You know, we, a lot of regret. Yeah. 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 And so it's, um, finding tools like this. And I, I see 
that um, I see younger generations getting into more of this type of mm-hmm. work, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really excited to see the self-awareness and the self-reflection and stuff mm-hmm. and, and making these kinds of changes in the workplace. I definitely see a, you know, a change in, in even leadership being more respectful of these softer characteristics yeah. that we need to have tough companies. Yeah, that's interesting. I really appreciate the idea of being honest with yourself. And, I, you know, when I was younger, I kind of, oh, poo-poo that, you know, and, oh, you need to love yourself first. I, I still don't feel comfortable with that statement necessarily just yeah. as a person. I'm not against it. It just doesn't sit well on me. Yeah. But to say, hey, I had this experience. When I turned 50, I woke up one day and I'm just like, I kind of know who I am now. And I don't really care. There there are these aspects where people I felt obligated to fulfill other people's needs. Right. I still care about people. I love people. But like I didn't feel uh, like pressure to do that. I woke up and just like I just don't feel the need to make everybody else happy. Now I want to be a source of joy and happiness for people. I want to be loving. I want to be Christ-like. All those things. But I'm not motivated by an extrinsic. It's more an intrinsic. Exactly. Like, hey, um, I want to be kind to you because I want to be kind to you. And yeah. you deserve kindness, not because these people are looking at me. It's for a better reason. Yeah. And it's genuine. Yeah. And it comes across more authentically. Yeah. And it really does then, in part of the generosity, um, part of the formula is it's a pay it forward kind of thing. You sure. know, it's it's that you do it because you want to do it, not for any reason of getting anything back. Yeah. And that's my philosophy that I use in leadership. You know, it's 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 understanding ourselves to that degree and being able to give authentically is when it really starts to work in organizations. My guest today is Lori Sudbrink. She's the CEO and founder of Unlimited Coaching Solutions. Uh, We're going to be back in just a moment after this quick break, but I want to encourage you, please check out Lori's book, Leading with Grit. You can find it on Amazon, and also you can get that planner. They work well together, and if you're trying to figure out your life, you're trying to accomplish something with your life, who isn't, then check it out. You can get your Grit Together productivity planner on Amazon. Just go to amazon.com forward slash Gritty stuff, G R I T T Y S T U double F. We'll be right back with Lori. Folks, I hope you're enjoying today's show. I have one question for you. Are you interested in the story of private industry in America? Do you care about private business? Do you care about entrepreneurship and wealth creation? and even a little bit of marketing and branding? If so, do yourself a favor and sign up for my newsletter. That's right, I've got a free newsletter that goes out once a week. You can go over to my website, it's mikegaston.com, M-I-K-E-G-A-S-T-I-N.com. Just shoot to the bottom of the page, the homepage there, and you'll see a form. All you have to do is put in your first name and your email address. I will never spam you, I will never sell your information, but what I will do Once a week, I will send you an email that updates you on the content that I'm creating. I've got some great stuff in store. I'm working on some video essays that I'm really excited about. I'll keep you up to date on things like podcast episodes and articles that I'm putting out and even speaking engagements that I've got coming up. So if you're into anything that has to do with private business in America, I would highly suggest, highly recommend you get over to my website, get signed up, get in the system and be kept abreast of the latest content coming out from yours truly. Now, guys, let's get back to today's show. (music) 
And we're back. My guest today is Lori Sudbrink. Lori, welcome back to The Currency. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's a fantastic conversation. I, yeah. I, You know, one of the great things about doing this podcast, first of all, I get to talk to great people. You and I know each other already, right. but I don't think we've ever had this kind of conversation. So it's it's fun. And, and one of the things that I love is like, I'm always learning from me. You know, I'm talking to you and we're doing the show because I want to put out great content, uh, hear your story and and hopefully create value for the audience. But I'm sitting here learning things, and I'm just always grateful yeah. for that. And so it's fun. You. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So I want to kind of shift gears a little bit here, talk about, you know, you've got this expertise in organizations. We're going to talk a little bit about leadership and maybe in a moment get to some of these qualities or characteristics or skills. Before we talk about that, though, I'm just curious. You get to talk and visit and engage a lot of organizations, not-for-profits, governmental agencies, for-profits, corporations, publicly traded. What are some common things that you see in organizations that uh, that stand out to you from your perspective that, that we might not be aware of? Yeah. Um, well, whether people are aware of it or not, I'm not sure, but what I see the most that, um, that gets in the way, we'll say, is a sense of, um, well, it's, it's the miscommunication and misunderstanding that people have. Like Internally, your intent might be to communicate something and it comes across the wrong way. Okay. Um, and it's more often just a style difference than anything else. Um, and yet we all have we come to work with different experiences and different, I'll call it wounds. You know, we have different baggage, you know, stuff mm-hmm. that's going on in our life even. And it can, the way somebody says something to us can just set that off and, and, and have an, you know, an emotional memory or whatever. Sure. And then you're off on this. And I see that as something that's so easy to fix, but yet, happening blatantly throughout any type of organization because it's a human kind of thing that's happening and it doesn't matter what type of industry you're in. Um, and so that's something that, um, like I said, you can, it's, it's easy to work on if you're aware of it and you want to, mm-hmm. uh, but most of the time we're not aware of it and we're, we're, and we're going at such a pace that we don't stop and really sit back and kind of self-reflect. How can I be better in my interactions with the people that I work with, you know, and it just, it's not, it's not a normal thing that people do. They don't right. stop and reflect on that. Well, I would imagine, uh, just my, my limited exposure to human beings and being one myself, <laughs> at least that's what I'm claiming is that some people want to do Some people hear what you're saying and like, you know what? I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. I wish people would, there are other people that hear that and think, Ugh, why do I even have to yeah. bother? Like, I'm yeah. just trying to get my job done. Right. Well, that's a great question, because if you just want to get your job done, the easiest way to get it done is through people and relationships. And sure, you might have some part of your job that you do independently. Mm-hmm. But we, if we're in an organization, we need other people to cooperate. And we know we have silos, you know, where people are just, oh, this is my thing. I'm not going to share it with you. And this is... And oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, sure. and that kind of stuff is going on. And it's, you know, it's if, yeah, it, it takes some effort sometimes for some of us. It doesn't come as naturally to be able to interact and adjust and adapt appropriately, you know, appropriately or even care to do that with sure. other people. Sure. But if you can't do it just because it's the right thing to do, quote unquote, mm-hmm. it's do it because it's the more efficient 
thing to do because okay. you're going to, it's a preventative measure. It's, you know, when, when we think about how we interact with someone else and pay attention to how we're connecting with that relationship, it's like you're making a trust deposit. You're, you're putting something into that relationship so that you can have frank conversations so that you can get things done quickly so that you can ask somebody for something and there's no hesitations and there's, you're building that trust. More of an alignment in the organization. Exactly. And that's, it's critical to the success of the organization. It's probably one of the, the things that is, it doesn't get measured, but it's impacting the bottom line the most. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's frightening in a way because this is going on in organizations and we don't know why we're having issues and problems yeah. and ineffectiveness when it's really something that is just a, a human miscommunication right. that's happening. It's interesting your comment about the bottom line. Again, I mentioned I'm more on the strategy side of things, but I, I'm keenly aware you know, businesses are collections of people. It, it, it's not a business that creates value or wealth. It's people. It, like individual human beings are a net positive, theoretically speaking, to a society, to a community. It's people that solve problems, people that create wealth, people that create value, people that solve problems. I think I said that already, but yeah. it, I think we lose sight of that. And then, but mm. the problem is you get all these people together. Right. So really, you look at a balance sheet or, you know, maybe you're in the finance department, you're looking at a P&L, we see numbers, we see finance, we see cash flow, but that all represents people, the, the work, the ingenuity, the dedication of human beings. Yeah. So, it, you know, your point is well taken that uh, it contributes to the bottom line. I think it's a very real thing. That's not just kind of like, no. hey, if you get everybody happy, you give them Nerf guns and free Ex soda pop, yeah, yeah. then you're going to, you know, you get, you're going to go public, you know, you yeah, get this startup. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's fun. But, but it's not what's most important. No. I mean, those things would never work if you didn't really have a good culture yeah. of, you know, some level of trust. And, and I, I mean, a level of trust where you have each other's back, where you're yeah. not afraid to admit mistakes, where you're, yeah. you know, willing to be transparent and vulnerable with each other. But isn't that what a company, like a company, an organization, not for profit, you know, I'm a solo entrepreneur, I'm a, a consultant. I'm limited. There's only so much I can do as one person. Now, right. if I decide to say, hey, let me bring in some people, I can do exponentially more. So these businesses are centered around the idea that a group of people can accomplish something greater than an individual by themselves. That's a business. Exactly. A corporation. And so if you can't get them to work well together, you're right. losing all that juice. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, and there's, there's many components to it. It's not just, um, you know, I mentioned one with the miscommunication, yes. you know, and, and that it's the, the, the lack of trust, the lack of that, that ability to have a transparent organization. We're afraid yep. of being real with each other. Yeah. We're afraid yeah. that we're going to, and it might be because we were ridiculed or, you know, there was some kind of punishment for that. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Fear. And all of those are playing in on this, yeah. um, you know, and then we, 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 what I see not happening enough is real candid conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, you see a lot of um, either Patrick Lencioni termed it, I love it, artificial harmony. <laughs> you know, you see this artificial harmony on a team um, or you see the other side of it 
really bad, hostility. nasty hostility kind of. Yeah. I wait till I'm so mad that I blow up or I don't talk to you or, you know, those yeah. kind of behaviors when really we need to learn how to just be real with each other, have good kind of conversations so that sure. we can disagree on things so that we can work things out so that we can move on yeah. together toward that common goal. Cause otherwise we're divided, we're in silos, we're, and it's not effective and functioning. Sure. So here we thought we got these people together to, to work more efficiently together. But if we don't be mindful of that, it takes work. We can't just stick a group of people together and mm -hmm. expect them to perform. Mm -hmm. There's an old um, thing from the eighties. That's it, when you put a team together, it starts with forming and then storming and then norming and then performing. Oh yeah. I've never heard yeah, that one. So, yeah. it, so there's four stages that, that okay. kind of a team goes through. And if, if a manager or leader is mindful of that, mm -hmm. they won't try to skip over the storming and norming phases. Okay. But what a lot of, people do, and it's a mistake, is they'll put a group of people together and say, now perform, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, we, we're human beings, we've got to learn how to storm, meaning mm -hmm. that conflict, meaning, you know, duking it out, hashing it out, getting to know each other, okay. you know, and then we'll kind of norm out and know how to communicate with each other, ah, that's just Mike, I don't yeah. need to worry about that, I'm not going to take it personally, you know, yeah. stuff like that, then you're going to really perform. Okay. Lori, what kinds of... Um situations, what kinds of pressures uh, are present to cause a company to reach out to you? So I can, I'm just, again, I'm looking through my own lens. Hey, Mike, you know, we're trying to grow our company. We're good at sales, uh, but we need to get better at marketing. Like our marketing isn't performing. Could you come in and help us? Like, right, I, right, right. So I'm just curious, like what yeah. dynamics are present when a company says this isn't working for us yeah. we need to talk to Lori? Like, mm -hmm. I'm, what is that? What? Well, one of the things would be what I mentioned earlier. If you're seeing silos, you're seeing dividedness, you're seeing that, um, you know, there's, there's pockets, sometimes based on department. Okay. Sometimes not, you know, and, but you're seeing that people are holding information from each other. Um, you're, you're also seeing that there's not good dialogue in your meeting. And then there's meetings after the meetings, there's water cooler talk, there's, there's, you come back to a meeting and stuff isn't happening. There's no accountability for things. People are afraid to say, Hey Mike, you know, I noticed when you did that, you didn't, they don't, they won't give each other feedback. Sure. There's, so if you're in an organization and you're not getting recognition and appreciation or you're seeing that there's just critical god you, you know you're terrible at that yeah that's a sign that you know you probably need some help so no, just I didn't mean to interrupt, but just I can so I can imagine I've been in these meetings actually as a consultant. Yes. <laughs> and there's a toxicity. Toxicity? Tox yes. Well, I, don't know if I think that's a word. Okay. Toxicity. Well, we'll, it is we'll now. pretend it is now. That's right. <laughs> and I'm sort of going, oh my goodness. Like it's not like it's been directed at me at times, but I'm usually um, you know, I'm a third party. I'm in the right. room. And wow. So I, I, I can see. There's an elephant in the room, right? Yeah, and, it's and not, so I can see yeah. in that circumstance where like an owner or an HR manager says, we've got to, our team's broken. We have to fix it. It's right. just obvious. You can't, how do you yeah. ignore it? Yeah. But I'm curious, like I've also looked at companies where they live with silos for decades. Yeah. And so, you know, like any of us, we, you, maybe I've got a bad back. You kind of learn to deal with it, but you never yeah. get it fixed. Right. What is the thing that convinces an organization we need to fix this? Do you, yeah. Is there a common denominator yeah. there? Well, it's interesting because it's um, 
the companies that I end up working the most with mm-hmm. are the companies that already kind of get it. They, yeah, they see, that's under- what I was curious about. They, yeah, well, they understand that it's just like anything that you work on. If it's, um, you know, exercise, if it's eating right, if it's becoming a better speaker, getting better at marketing, you've got to consistently work on it. And so they understand that in order for a team to function well together, mm-hmm. we've got to work on the relationships, the teams, the, and so I don't really pride myself in being in the business of convincing people yeah, that they, they need they already it. Need to um, I used to, to do that help. when I first started the okay. business 20 years ago. Oh, I, I, oh, I'd see that. Oh, and people would come to me and say, oh, you need to work with this group. They're so, but if they don't see or yeah, feel that ready. they need it, then, you know, it's a, it's going to take a lot of time and energy for me to try to convince They don't value them. what you bring to they the table. They don't value point, right? it as yeah. much, you know? And so, um, it is, you know, can you, can you help some people if you say you have a client and you're sitting and you hear some of, or you see some toxicity or something, can you go to them and say, Hey, you know, I noticed that there was an elephant in the room and it wasn't called out. Or I noticed there was a size yeah. and this and that going, have you guys thought about that? You know, could you bring that to people's awarenesses? Absolutely. Sure. But unless there's some kind of receptiveness to it, right. um, I quite frankly, don't want to try to convince somebody of that. It's kind of trying to convince them of something they don't think they need at all. Like they're sick and they're not. Or sure. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, like a married couple. Hey, I know, you know, we're, we're fighting a lot lately. The kids have moved out of the house. Yeah. We're fighting a lot lately. We don't feel good about this, but we don't know why we're doing it. Yeah. Let's go get some help. Exactly. Versus... Or- Someone saying your marriage could be better, and you're like, "Well, I think it's fine the way it is. Thank you very yeah, much." Yeah, you know, we're so fine. We we, we yeah. fight, but we Mind love each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. da, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that, that so so they, they already have a sense. They've actually. It sounds like they've gone through the uh, get your grit together. Yeah, and they've identified <laughs> this is important to us, and we want to fix it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm really impressed with the amount of organizations who are the top level leadership, really looking at the people yeah. side of things and valuing their people. And, and there is research to show that people are leaving organizations because there's not good leadership development provided sure. for them sure. there at the organization. Um, that's not only something to retain employees, it's something to attract employees. Mm-hmm. So, some of the employers that I work with started doing it because of that. They heard, oh, you know, yeah. this generation wants training and development. But then they started to see, wow, I can really now connect the dots and see how we're so much more effective as a team. We, mm-hmm. you know, we don't spend as long trying to make these decisions. We, do, you know, we don't have all this collateral damage from not being able to have these, you know, really yeah. crucial conversations that we yeah. need to have. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes they come in it like that, not mm-hmm. just altruistically going, oh yeah, sure, I want to help sure. all the people here. <laughs> but to put to your earlier point, they're ready to make a change. They are. They don't know the whole story but they're saying we want to yep. get better at fill in the blank and they're reaching out yeah. saying, can you help us with that? That's, that's kind of, cause I, I wondered, I mean, for me, there's a, there's a, a more, uh, you know, you can look at revenue right? and I can say, I can help you with revenue. Yeah. Okay. Well that's, but right. you were talking about it's, selling a service. I mine's a service, but you know, you're selling it's something less tangible. It's yeah. less tangible. It is less tangible. I mean, there's certainly but very directly related, very directly related, um, very difficult, similar to marketing in this vein, but very difficult to say for sure 
this is going to impact <laughs> exactly this. Yeah. You can, for example, yeah, for example, you could be the, have the best leadership skills and yeah. be a, a phenomenal manager and lead appropriately, but the compensation system stinks and there's no, you know, opportunity for advancement. So people aren't happier. You know, there's yeah, other, absolutely. there's a lot of variables. Yeah. yeah. I was just, I was laughing because I was thinking of there's a, the classic marketing line. I know that half my marketing spend is effective. I just don't know which half. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. so, Lori, yeah. so let's, let's continue on this vein. I want to talk a little bit about leadership. You see a lot of leaders, organizations. What is, what is one of the most important and probably most challenging let's say, traits or skills uh, necessary for effective leadership yeah. in your estimation? That's a great question. And, and, and while there are a lot of areas and it depends on, we could go back to the DISC style for a minute, sure. there's strengths, natural strengths and limitations to all the, the styles as far as what's going to come natural to them yes. and what they need to work on. So we all have areas we need to work on. But what I, one of the things that I see is the ability to really adapt appropriately to situations and people mm. and have a level of emotional intelligence to do that. So emotional intelligence can come natural for some people. For most of us, we need to do some work there. Okay. And it's not one of those things that you just work a year or two on it. It's, what is emotional? I mean, I've heard yeah, that phrase yeah. for years, but how would you define Let's, emotional Yeah, that's a good, good thing to do, define. Um, so um, the shortest definition or explanation I would say would be it's, it's an awareness of your own emotions and your ability to manage your emotions on one end. And then it's an awareness of other people's emotions and your ability to be able to help them manage through their emotions. So you're not adding fuel to the fire, but you're helping them be more aware. So that's emotional intelligence. There's like four components of it. Um, and so being, that's a, that's a tougher skill. Sometimes, um, there's a great book, what got you here won't get you there. And so some of the skills that you got to, to, to be in a certain level is almost opposite of what you need to get to the next level. Emotional intelligence and being able to really adjust and adapt appropriately to people and to situations is probably the the thing that's going to make people the most successful. Mm. Um, But it's not easy for most of us because we're creatures of habit and it's hard to be aware of how we're being perceived by other people. And so self-reflection is one of the probably main things a leader can do to be effective is real, honest, brutal self-reflection. Just taking a few minutes at the end of every day and then at the end of the week, just saying, you know, what, what went right? What went wrong? Okay, what do I need to do more of or less of to be more effective in that situation? And then just let it go. You know, just a quick self-reflection. The Get Your Gert Together Planner yeah, gives yeah. you that self-reflection opportunity every day and every week to do that. But extremely important to be able to have the opportunity to make a change. Does that ability, that um, emotional intelligence, that flexibility necessary for leadership, is it is it the kind of thing that you need it once you get in that role or does that also help you f- uh, find ways into leadership mm, roles? Excellent. Because I'm thinking about yeah. people that are not necessarily like, hey, I'm not the boss, but yeah. I want to grow. And Oh, yeah. Develop it as early as you can. It's one of the, 
in my opinion, most needed traits for any relationship. Mm. Um, you're going to be happier and more successful if you have a good level of emotional sure. intelligence. Um, and yeah, you can, you can literally Google emotional intelligence, Daniel Goleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Goleman. Yep. He, excellent book on emotional intelligence. So I'd highly recommend that, but there's a lot of them out there that, you know, just start looking at it and just in a simple way, just start paying attention. As soon as you feel an emotion, stop Ask yourself, what was I thinking right there? What was yeah. my thought that drove that emotion? And what am I going to do with that? You know, and am I letting my thoughts drive me? I or should am do I that letting... when I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. I should do that when I'm in traffic. Yeah, for real, right? Yeah. But yeah, so it's, you know, it's little things like that. that if you did that on a daily basis, just, just your goal is to pay attention to one emotion, track yeah. the thought and see what you could do differently to be yeah. happier or a better outcome. It's funny too. I think about leadership. You, you, you know, these skills that you need. I can see the value of that. You know, leadership is so much about people understanding them, motivating them, helping us all get aligned and accomplish things. It's a little bit of management as well. But when you're in a leadership role, you have a hierarchical hierarchical position of authority. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, this position works against the need. Because I can just say, I don't really care what you think, Lori. I'm the boss. Right, right. Or you could say you that could. to me, right? Cause, yeah. But that works so much against what I'm trying to accomplish. So exactly. it's interesting how uh, I could see how leaders wouldn't fail to acquire this skill just because their position right. could make them feel like, well, I don't need it. And sometimes it's an unspoken expectation. They they don't even, they're not aware that they think that they're supposed to just keep everybody in line, tell everybody what to do, that command and control kind of thing. Yeah. And that isn't as effective. And right. when I think about it, it's like, we, we want people to want to follow us, not feel like they have to follow us. That's yeah. so much more efficient. I, I'm going to jump up and do something when Mike asks, if he yeah. treats me with that kind of respect and has a level of emotional intelligence where he's aware of how he's coming across to me and, yeah. and he's respectful of that. And yeah. so it's, it's a different energy that, that goes out and you're going to get a different energy back from people. Yeah, I know I need to, I need to grow in that. I remember, um, yeah, a handful of years ago when I had my agency, you know, thinking I kind of, and I think this happens when you're in a position of authority, I'm signing the checks. I'm the owner of the business, et cetera. And, and I'm aware, like you're in a meeting, you say a joke, you're kind of aware, like people are gonna laugh at your jokes, even if they're not funny at times because you're the boss. And I kind of knew that, but I remember thinking, you know, I was, had a good sense of, um, emotional intelligence and et cetera sitting with an employee and um, going through a difficult discussion. This employee was thinking of moving on, and I respected that. I wasn't upset with them. But they made a comment, and I felt terrible after I heard it, which was, uh, well, I'm, I'm afraid of you. And then they brought out, and they weren't throwing it. They were being, they were being vulnerable to me. Right. I, I respect it, but they were great feedback. Bringing right? out, yeah, circumstances where we had interactions, and I thought nothing of them. Uh, and that really kind of rocked my confidence a little bit. I thought, well, I thought I'm so good with people. And I think I, I was, but there was Definitely. an element that was missing. Yeah. And it really well, pushed me to kind of open my eyes a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you just get me excited about the topic. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> it's... It, if we have that environment, that culture where we have these kind of conversations mm-hmm. ongoing, where mm-hmm. we're willing to be vulnerable, that doesn't mean you're not credible and you're not confident. It means that you're a strong enough person to, to say, be honest. Yeah. yeah, 
then people aren't going to be afraid to have those conversations early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the value right there mm-hmm. of having this kind of organization, be, training people to be able to have the conversations they need to have, build the trust, because you're not going to have people leave. And then at the, at the exit interview, no. you, you go, wow, I wish I'd known that earlier. I had right. no idea. Right. Feedback and awareness, it's, it's a gift, you know, yeah. and if we do it, appropriately and we learn how to do that, it's the best thing that can happen for an organization because yeah. it's like, wow, I don't, I can't possibly always be aware. My intent was in the right place, yeah. but I had no idea I was coming across that well, way. And I think in a leadership role, you have less idea because people are afraid to give you that on, the yes. honest feedback. And to be fair to those people, we're not always gracious when we receive that kind of, like nobody likes right. to be told they're not good or they fell short. Right. So, yeah. um, it's, it's a tough, it's tough to be in that position. I think, I think it's hard for anybody, but to be in a leadership role is, is tough. So I think having someone from the outside come in and say like yourself, let me work with you. Let me work with your team. Yeah. You can't put a price on that. You can't because there is something, um, to be said there. And sometimes it's just that, you know, I'm, I'm sent to the principal's office kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. The boss, I can't, it, it's, yeah. it's, I'm afraid. And it's that it's, it's almost respect that's gone too far. Sure. Um, and so we should always maintain a level of respect and have some ways to have healthy dialogue with each other. Uh, but not at the, you know, not, we don't want to avoid it right. and not have those conversations. And any leader that understands the value of that, of course, wants someone mm-hmm. to come to them and give them feedback. However, if it's not spoken about, if there's not an expectation set, yeah. then it's awkward and it's avoided. And yeah. so some of it is just getting it out there and saying, you know what, you come to the next meeting and yeah. you go, I learned something valuable. Yeah. I didn't realize that somebody perceived me this way and I'm going to work on, yeah. da, 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 you know, <laughs> well, the funny thing is if it doesn't come out, it festers, you know, yes. people, so that the person that wants to say it, and I'm not talking about my circumstances in general. I know I, I've in been general. in this boat. Like if I don't, even with my spouse, if I don't say to, Hey, this thing's bothering me, I'm having arguments in my head about it. I'm positioning this and that. And oh, there it goes again. Like I'm creating stories and narratives. And right there's the wasted time and money, exactly. right? In an organization. And if I, it's and like, if I just come to her and said, Hey, by the way, do you mind not X, Y, Z? She'd probably go, Oh yeah, I don't. Sure. Yeah. Oh really? Like that. So it's yes. amazing when that's and now multiply that. That's a marriage. Multiply that across hundreds of employees in an organization. I can't even begin to imagine. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and in the ironic kind of ironic thing is the more that we work on the trust and the you know it, adapting and adjusting to each other and and that the less we have to do it. So it's, it's like the, we work on it and work on it and you get a healthy level so that the example you just gave, you come to the person and you say, Hey, could you stop doing that? And it's perfectly fine. Sure. sure, No problem. But if there's not a good level of trust there and it's a certain style, you can't even go there because, Oh, and I'm afraid to go there because I might hurt somebody's feelings or, Yeah. yeah, it's it's tough. It's so complicated. Lori, yeah. what's what's been and you can either say from your own entrepreneurial experience or working with clients, but like what's been the most challenging circumstance you've had to face in these did you say 20, 20, 20 years 20 this year? 20 years, yeah. Yes, in your 20, 20 years, years, what's been the biggest challenge? 
Wow. Just one? <laughs> There's been so many. We're going to be a three-hour um, episode. Do you want yeah. like a business challenge or a I, tangible kind of training I challenge? Think, I think whatever comes to mind. Yeah. yeah I'm open to anything. Yeah. Um, I, you know, from a business entrepreneurial standpoint, I would say balancing um, balancing getting the, the kind of work in that, that I really sure. want to get in and doing the work myself. So part of what I didn't tell about was when I was growing the company, yeah. um, I found that I wasn't in the classroom literally enough. I wasn't doing the work I love to do. Running the business. Running the right? business. Yeah. And I, I was missing it and it was, I really was paying everyone else first. And it was that typical oh, there, entrepreneurial yeah. thing. And I said, all right, you know, I need to make a change. And we got everybody, good placements, good jobs. And that's when I went kind of virtual. I just, mm -hmm. I travel now. I have more freedom, but it can be tough. And you're working directly with the clients now. Working directly yeah. with the clients. I do have a couple of... Um, 1099, meaning, you yeah, know, part-time yeah. people that do other work for other sure, people as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, that help me. So I have, um, two or three people, two people on a full-time, you know, regular basis, mm -hmm, not full-time, mm -hmm. but, um, that help. Uh, and I had a lot, uh, structured so that I can do this on my own. So I have a lot of efficiencies in place. Um, but what's challenging is sometimes to be doing the work, the, balance, yeah. the balancing, you know, and it's, um, I'm fortunate enough to get a lot of, um, callbacks and referrals, um, but to, to get into some new clients and stuff that, that can be a little challenging sure. because you're not out there networking and, and talking to a lot of people cause you're in the classroom a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. So, you know, that, I think that's a pretty typical entrepreneurial challenge when you're smaller. Solo. Especially yes. when you're solo yes. boutique with just a few people exactly. and you're really the key person. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're busy. When you're busy doing the work, you're not out looking for exactly. clients. Because you're trying to serve your clients. Then the work finishes up. Trust yeah. me, I know exactly all about yeah. this. Then you're like, oh, I don't have any <laughs> work like, to okay. do, right? So then I'm going to run out. Yeah. So it's a cyclical yeah. thing. Sure. Yeah. It's not so as hard as when I started, but it's still, I still feel that. And that's okay. still, and so that's been a challenge when I first started and now yeah. it's back to being a bit of a challenge. Sure. Maybe it's yeah. time. Maybe a new book would, uh, prime, prime yeah, you know, and maybe just doing something a little differently to, um, to generate some new leads. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I know yeah. a marketing guy. Yeah. Example. Right. <laughs> so what are you most proud of? If that's been the biggest challenge, that mm -hmm. transition and that, that kind of responsibility having shifted the agency to more of a consulting mode, what are you most proud of over the last 20 years? <sighs> well, the, the thing that popped in my head is my daughter. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, because my daughter worked with us and I yeah. encouraged her to be entrepreneurial and to just go with what she wanted to do. And as much as I wanted her to do what I was doing and to follow in my sure, footsteps, sure. um, you know, she is, I have four grandsons now. Wow, she does a lot of, thank you. And she does a lot of entrepreneurial things and she keeps trying things and she homeschools and she, and I'm just so grateful and thankful that she is going for it. And woman it, that she's become. Yeah, yeah, because I think that is our most important leadership role ever. We're inspiring the the people that are closest to us to to be happy and to make a difference in the world. Yeah. So I'm most proud of that. That's yeah. a fantastic thing yeah. to be proud of. I'm so glad you said that. Uh you know we're I don't have grandchildren yet, but I think our children are similar ages yeah. and um 
as an adult father to see my children together as adults. Yes. Thriving. Yeah. Like we'll have everybody come over to the house for, you know, dinner or something mm-hmm. once in a while. And uh, when everybody was younger, I was kind of like the one, you know, the ringmaster. Exactly. <laughs> now I kind of sit back and just watch. And it's yeah. just such a, I just feel so full, so blessed. Yes. That's to see exactly my kids the thriving. Feeling. Yeah. And, um, and you really do, I think leadership role, yeah. you're right. I, I have a lot of regrets. I look back and think I could have done things so yeah. much better, but even that mm-hmm. being the case, I look and go, I really like yeah. these kids. So, well, you know, and there's, you. An al- awesome. there's an, there's an analogy to, to parenting and to leadership too, yeah. when you think about it, you know, it's <laughs> like when we really do think about in, inspiring people to step up and take ownership and and be the person they were meant to be and be that mm-hmm. potential. That's what leadership is all about. Yeah. And yeah, the emotions are a little different, but it is about giving the best that you can to someone so that they can be their full potential and make a difference in the workplace. Very well said. My guest today has been Lori Sudbrink. She's the founder and CEO of Unlimited Coaching Solutions. Lori, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Mike. This was truly fun. And I'm glad that, you know, finally we got together. Finally got to do it. In person is always nicer. This has been fantastic. (laughs) Guys, if you haven't done so already, at the break I mentioned uh, Lori's book, Leading with Grit. You check that out on Amazon. Also check out the uh, Get Your Grit Together Productivity Planner. So you just go to amazon.com forward slash gritty stuff, G-R-I-T-T-Y S-T-U-F-F. Check out that book. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I'll also put a link to Lori's um, website, her coaching uh, website on the in the show notes. And lastly, if you want to get in touch with Lori, you can do that. I mean, she's an Amazon author with a big highfalutin uh, publisher like Wiley, <laughs> but you can connect with her on LinkedIn. She'd be happy to make your connection. Just Love reach that. out to her. Yeah. Tell her that you heard her on the currency and invite her to connect. And I'm sure that she'd be happy to do that. Lori, thanks so much. It's been fantastic. Thank you. And I look forward to connecting to as many people that want to. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah. yeah. So guys, if you haven't done so already, also make sure to connect with me. I'm also on LinkedIn. My name is Mike Gaston. If you don't know already, G-A-S-T-I-N, shoot me a note and subscribe to this podcast. You can find the currency anywhere that fine podcasts are provided. That would be like Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, all over the place. We'd love to have you as a listener and join the community. We're building something really special here. I love you all, and I'll check you in the next episode.